right. Uh, I noticed the other day my neighbor was riding his little 50 dirt bike. We all like little dirt bikes. And he jumps this little spot in a ditch, and he always looks around to see if anybody's watching him to, to show off. And it reminded me of my middle daughter, who does the same thing with everything she does. Um, she's not in here, is she? Okay. She'd be mad at me. Don't tell her. But she's a bit of a show-off. She is. She's genuinely a show-off. She does things, and when she does them, she looks around to see if anybody's looking at her so she can... She's just kind of a show-off. <clears throat> and I, I started to figure out a way to explain to her how she doesn't need to do that. And the more I did, um, the, the more I did, the, uh, the more I realized that I'm a show-off. <laughs> like, the more I thought about it, I, I thought, well, where she get that from? I think she gets it from me. <laughs> um, and I began to look back all the way when I was a little kid, when I don't remember, but I've heard stories even about, I would sit in, the grocery, in a grocery cart and I would sing. And my mom would tell me little old ladies would give me, like, quarters. And I would just sing, and they would give me quarters, and I would just ham it up, you know, and I'd get, I'd get money, apparently. I don't know, get candy or something. Um, and I would sing, Sitting on the Bank Till My Feet Got Cold. And I don't know if y'all know that song, Sitting on the Bank. Anyway, I don't know where I heard that song when I was a kid, but I sang it all the time. And then later on, I can remember uh, breakdancing. We moved around a lot, breakdancing in uh, Texas with Ramiro, Eric, and Chucky. We're three Mexican guys that we lived in the hood with. And we would get cardboard out, and we would breakdance, like spinning and you know, popping and locking and everything. And uh, I can remember loving when people would come, would begin to gather around us and we would dance, and I loved that. I was like, yeah, you know, I felt like I was a part of something, you know, and I would dance. Um, and no, I'm not going to dance today. But I would dance around and I would break dance. Oh, <laughs> I would break dance and everything, and it, and it felt good, you know. It felt like I felt, you know, some a bit of approval, I guess. And as time went on, I also had, I'm pretty positive, undiagnosed ADD. If you haven't, don't know me, you know that that's true. We were poor, so we went over to the doctor, and it wasn't a big deal back then. Well, I will, I'm, I'm already chasing rabbits, but I will tell you this, and don't crucify me because everybody gets upset if I say, if people say things and they may disagree about the kids. I'm not saying this is my, the end-all, be-all. It's just my opinion from my perspective. I think for the most part, maybe not, maybe not all, but for the most part, I think m- most people that struggle with ADD, it's just a personality difference. Um, I say that because there was a time, uh, there was a time in my life when I thought that I I couldn't focus and study on anything. Um, I was getting bad grades in school, and um, and even later on in life when I got saved, and I was like, I can't read the Bible. I can't focus on this stuff. I can't remember anything. But the revelation God gave me several years after I got saved was, I can tell you that, uh, you know, a Subaru WRX has an EJ20 motor and, a, you know, this kind of turbocharger. And I can tell you all these different things about cars and trucks, and we, I, I, I could actually focus and remember on the things that I cared about. And so... I think that a lot of people, and I'm not saying everybody because I'm not a doctor by any means, but I think there's a lot uh, of people that are, I don't want to say misdiagnosed, but are, it's called a condition when it's, it's, not, it's, it's, not a, it's not a bad thing necessarily. It's just a different thing because I, ha- I, think, I think I'm gifted in things where other people aren't. Does that make sense? And I think people that, that have a little bit of hyperactivity or, or a little bit of ADD or anything like that can benefit from it in certain ways. It just doesn't fit necessarily certain cultures and ideas so sorry I'm not gonna get on a soapbox because anyway but I, that's from my perspective because I struggle with it <laughs> B- evidenced by me even talking about it right now because I wasn't even talking about it squirrel so <laughs> I love you guys uh, so anyway so I was a show-off back to what I really want to talk about I was a show-off growing up got into skateboarding for a while I wasn't that good went into like freestyle bike riding and everything and I would show off doing that 
on into like several things, most of which was customizing cars and trucks was probably the most thing that I did for the longest period of time, um, as well as many other things, because if I was distracted, I would chase that just as quickly as anything else. But for the most part, I would focus on um, cars and trucks and car shows and different things like that. And uh, anything with a motor, really, motorcycles, four-wheelers, jet skis, whatever, I'd focus on those things. And I, would, I really enjoyed finding old things and fixing them up and making them look new again or customizing them to my own taste. And I really enjoyed going to car shows. And one time my truck got in a magazine. I was so proud. And that's a really old-fashioned statement. I don't know if anybody even reads magazines anymore. But I, uh, I was really proud to get trophies and different things like that. And they're all collecting dust in the garage now. And as I, as I grew up and realized um, I still enjoy some of those things. And honestly, I still enjoy showing off sometimes, to be honest with you. Um, but I'm from a little bit different perspective. Uh, I say that because now, if I ever do go to a car show, which isn't very often, I enjoy the fellowship. I enjoy talking to people about the cars and talking about the things. And it's not as much about wanting to show off my car as it, as it is getting to know other people that have similar interests. And so I, I realized that the goals that I had in getting trophies or getting in magazines, what they weren't as fulfilling as I thought they would be. What ended up being more fulfilling is getting to know other people who enjoy the same things that I do. Um, which is a great picture of, of how Christianity is, is enjoying other people's fellowship and enjoying the relationship with other people as well as this restored relationship with our Heavenly Father. So as I progressed in, in being kind of a show-off, I, I realized that um, now, even though I still enjoy it some, I enjoy other people being involved in whatever I'm doing. And even if it's a show-off thing or, or anything like that, it's not as much about me and like, oh, look at me, like I'm gaining acceptance or anything because it's not from an orphan mindset. It's from a sonship mindset. It's like, hey, God's gifted me with a few abilities. I've got decent balance. <laughs> I can kind of dance on beat, not really. But those things, it's not as big a deal. It's not all about me. It's just like this is fun and I enjoy it. And even especially when people can laugh, if I can just be silly or just be goofy and people can laugh at it, I enjoy them laughing at me <laughs> more than I do whatever it is. And so there's there's just a this gravitational pull towards relationship that I think the Holy Spirit does for all of us. I think it, it draws us in, and I think it's how God draws us in to get to know him, is like, look, the, the bigger picture and the bigger concept here is not um, do the right thing so that you can go to heaven one day. It's let me draw you in to who I am. Let me draw you into my goodness. Let me draw you into a relationship. Let me, let me show you um, how much more beneficial relationship is than just things and rules and laws or or anything like that. So, thank you. So, we, <laughs> as, always feel free to, to amen me because it, it's either, it'll either encourage me or it'll do something. It's always good. Thank you. Or you can, you can change it up. Preach it, white boy, is good. <laughs> Philippians 2, Philippians 2, 1 says, uh, says, therefore, Philippians 2, 1 says, therefore, if, if you have, any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, <laughs> who being in very nature God, did not consider himself equal, or did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. 
He didn't go around parading talking about how awesome he was. He served people. He loved people. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Another one of my soapboxes, a lot of religious people will use this to try to put people down, saying, you know, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess, and, you know, basically pointing fingers at people, and that's not at all any of the scriptures that talk about that are, and especially this one. Why, why would every knee bow? The reason every knee would bow is because, look at the verses before it. If you want to take that out and, and blast people with it and hurt people with it, you can do that. But be very careful. <laughs> it's going to hurt you worse than it's going to hurt them. And I say that because, look, what he's talking about, you go all the way back up. Why will every knee bow? He's just giving his character. Right before this, he's given his character. He came to earth to be one like us, to serve us, to love us. Why would we bow to someone like that? Because we know him. You don't bow from him pushing you down and pointing fingers at you. You bow because he's come alongside you. He's, he's grabbed you like this. Hey, I'm going to help you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to walk with you through this. And so that's, some, that's something you can get behind. <laughs> that's something you can bow down to willingly. So every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the, and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to, uh, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of, the, of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. This is Paul talking to the Philippians. Um, not only in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Another miscommunication, the, the Greek is phobos kai tromos. I know that's something we use all the time in our regular language. But if you look at it in its context, he's not talking about, and, and the, the meaning, the Greek meaning is awe and reverence. The only, Greek is so much more colorful than English, so when we translate these words, it's difficult to express them. So there is a, it's almost like a fear, it's an, it's an awe, and it's an understanding of how great God is. Even though he came down, you still have this, this awe of him, right? This, this amazing thing. So it's not a fear of judgment or torment in this context. I'm not saying there, he doesn't talk about fear in those ways in other contexts and scriptures. But in this, he's saying there's an awe. There's a, there's a knowing of how good God is and how big he is and how great he is. Um, for it is God who works in you to will, because it, it says it right here, for it's God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So he's working in you. He's doing the work. He's transforming you. He's working this thing out. There's work involved, but you need to see who's doing the work. He's doing the work in you. He's making the transformation like we talked about last week. You can scream, you can scream at a, calip- a caterpillar, a caterpillar, scream at a caterpillar, all you want, it's not going to turn into a butterfly any faster. There's got to be a transformation. There has to be something that happens. It's not by us pushing and forcing and manipulating and, and scaring people into it. Because to be honest, I've been in, in lots of places where they do that. And I was afraid. And I probably gave my life to the Lord about ten times. <laughs> I was like, I'm not sure. You got me doubting because <laughs> you're screaming a lot. Uh, but but there, there have been those times when it's, we don't need to do that. We don't need to try to manipulate people to do things that we think that they need to do. Why? Because our perspective is limited. When God works through us, like we talked about last week, he can tell us when to water. He can tell us where to plant. He can communicate that to us because it's him who works through us. This is the, this is the full dependency we have to have on the Holy Spirit. It's 
is it, is it scary? Sometimes it is. Because I don't know what he's going to say. It's scary for me every Sunday when <laughs> Brian asked me this morning, he's like, you going to cry today? I was like, I hope not. I try not to every Sunday. Um, <laughs> and he was like, it's okay. Just be yourself. You know, you're, you're genuine. I said, I know that. I said, but I don't, I don't come in here intending to get up here and bawl my eyes out and say things that sometimes are kind of odd sounding. But when I hear the Holy Spirit say it, I'm like, I, I don't know what else to do. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> I got to do something. I'm already starting to cry. I'm starting to cry right now. <laughs> it's another reason I try to say funny things a lot because it keeps me kind of focused too. All right, look. This is the, the he's talking about unity at the very beginning of the scripture. He's talking about unity in the mind of Christ. Now we have established, and I'm going to reiterate this because the, our culture and our world tells us the wrong thing, and I have to keep saying it because it keeps getting pushed, crammed down our throats. That our heart is where we have all of our emotions, and it's just almost you know blind, and, and then we have our logic, which is our brain. That's not true. Our brain does have logic, and we do think things, but our heart is where Christ comes to live, and our heart has its own, our, it's, our, it's our core, it's our functioning, it's our belief system. Our heart is different than our brain. This is why Christ came to live in our hearts, not our brains. <laughs> he came to live in our hearts, because even the heart, you can be brain dead, you know, physically, and your heart will continue to pump. It's got its own brain, basically, its own firing system that functions separate from up here. Uh, why I say that is because your heart renews your mind, not the opposite. And I know I say it all the time, but I'm going to continue saying it because I see on social media and everything we're, we're constantly pumped, especially in relationships, as I see lots of marriages fail because, well, I don't love this person anymore, or I don't this, or I don't that, or this is this, or this or that. It's from a misinterpretation of what love is. It's a misinterpretation of what, um, and once again, I'm not driving a stake in the ground about everything, but this is, this is what I see is the church, by and large, that I grew up with, was so concerned with what was coming in that they were ne- nothing was ever coming out that I saw from my perspective. And I'm not saying all churches, but from my perspective. What I see in Scripture is Christ came to live in our hearts, and then we have the metanoia, which is the repentance, which is the renewing of our mind. That's why he constantly talks about renewing our mind. He doesn't say renew your heart. You're good. When you reach salvation, when you accept Christ into your heart, you are a new creation. At that moment, you are brand new. Now, it takes a while for the software to catch up to the hardware. <laughs> It's, it's got to keep update, update, update. Another one? <laughs> I just bought the computer. <laughs> anyway, so renewing our mind so we have a mind. That's why it says we have the mind of Christ, right? So look at, let's look at the mind of Christ. What did Jesus do? We're going to look at his, his actual things that he did coming from that source. Jesus didn't go around healing people so the Father would love him more, did he? Why, how do we know that? Because when he was baptized, God said in a loud deep voice, because that's the way I imagine it. God said, here's my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then his ministry started after that. He was pleased with him before he did one miracle. He was accepted first. We have to pay attention to this. This is where we as a church need to understand this is how this works. He was accepted and loved first, and it was a good picture of this. And then his life changed radically. He began his ministry. So he didn't run around doing this so so that God would be happy with him. God was already happy with him. He did this because of who he knew he was. So Jesus wanted every form of ministry to come from his Father's love, not for it. Do you see the difference? He wasn't doing that for God's love, but it was from God's love that he did everything. So what we, as we serve here, and many of you served yesterday when we did a lot of like maintenance stuff and, and, and building stuff, we know that the building's not the church, but it's nice to have a building where we can see <laughs> and, and have things function. And so as we serve in here, we've talked about several times, I don't want people to serve. I, want, I desire servants' hearts 
for you guys to naturally want to serve in different areas, but not just in here, but outside here, because we look at Christ and that's how he lived his life. We're going to have a foot washing. I've thought about it every Sunday, but I guess I'm too lazy to get like buckets and warm water. I need to do it one Sunday. But the problem with it is I don't have enough buckets because I like, I really want to like all of you guys. I'm so like thankful for you. I don't know where I'd start because <laughs> it's that kind of, um, that kind of understanding of how our, this community works in our church. We all work together and we all function in different giftings in different areas. And it's amazing to see it unfold and during worship and, um, you know, during small groups and different things that we do and on mission trips and everything to see how all this stuff comes together. It's just really cool. And so we don't, we don't gain, we don't do the things, we don't serve to gain favor with God and we don't do it to get jewels in our crown, right? We do it because we are already loved and because we are, we are blessed in all things through Christ. And so from that place, we begin to serve because that's the character trait that we've been given from the one who created us. It's kind of what we do. And what's cool is we spend, me personally, I'm 40 now, saved when I was 20, so I spent half my life trying to be happy or really trying to find joy, real joy, um, thinking that God didn't want that for me. But after I got saved, I realized that he had, he created joy, so he had the source. He was the source of it. And so once I, once I, I came to know him, I began to, it began to uh, manifest itself in me, and I began to be happy without even trying to be happy. If you ever go on a vacation, you're like, you better, you're going to be happy. You guys are going to have fun, and you try to force people to be happy. And then it's in those moments, maybe like at the hotel or the condo or wherever you go, when you're just having fun with the family or whatever, when you're genuinely happy. It's not even about the things that we do, but it's about the, the, the spirit of the things that we do. So we, we serve from a servant's heart, not just so that we can get things done. Um, so we serve because we care about people and community, not because we care about our status with God. Uh, Jesus was a bond servant. Now, do you know what a bond servant is? A bond servant is a slave that has been freed but continues to want to work for the master. So a bond servant is one who is free to do whatever they want, but they choose to continue to, to, to live with and have relationship with and work for the master of the house because they trust him. Why is that? Because of relationship. So that's why Jesus was a bond servant. He, he fully trusted in the Father. And this is the picture that's given us of how we're supposed to act and react. So we're set free and then we choose to serve because we trust, not because we fear. This is the difference in a, a son mentality and an orphan mentality. Uh, an orphan thinks that he has to earn the father's approval. And I, I, I thank you guys for, for putting up with my daddy issues because this is like my therapy. I should have a couch up here. It's like my therapy session when I come up here and talk to you guys about all my daddy issues. But, uh, but it's important to know who our father is. And it's, it's, important, it's important to know his heart for us because here's, here's what kept me, here's one of the main reasons that kept me from coming to church or getting saved any sooner than I did, um, other than it's just God's timing, but uh, I, I thought that God would always have a bad opinion of me. I thought that God was very angry with me and that no matter what I did, I would never be good enough. That stemmed from much of my natural Sonship that stemmed from much of my um, um, observing the people that were around me and the quote-unquote father figures that I had, which were all over the board, one of which was like gangster rap music, which was terrible. <laughs> um, but it was, it was something that I could grab onto that I felt like I was a part of. Um, and so my, my perspective was skewed. 
So like we talked about last week, how many of you know that if your perspective of how your Heavenly Father, the one that created you, is either good or bad, will, will affect the way that you do everything, the, the way you treat people, the way you act and react, the way you work, the way you play, the way you do things. This is why it's so important that we know who we are, we know whose we are, because it will radically affect your decision-making in everything that you do. I mean, like, hands down, will change your life. It will transform you. And not just in the big things, in the little things, too. One of the, one of the things I'll never forget uh, was Melissa praying for my daughter. She had a scratch on her wrist that morning. Do you remember that? And I feel like I'm a pretty good dad. I love my kids, but she told me she had a scratch, and I was like, okay, is it bleeding? <laughs> you know, are you dying? You no. Know. Yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> would you say we have red carpet? <laughs> so anyway, but Melissa had a word from the Lord that somebody was having, when, when we were praying for people, she had a, a specific prayer for somebody that had a wrist injury, and that was the only one that we could think of. Or the, and, I, and so she went and prayed for her. And, I mean, that's a big deal. To, to Jordan, it was a big deal. It wasn't a big deal to me. <laughs> but, I mean, I love that, that God speaks, spoke through Melissa to Jordan. Now, what that did in Jordan's heart, I have no idea. It, I, I imagine it did something. I imagine it, it, it comforted her. I imagine it... it um, oh, that made a funny noise. I imagine it did something. You know what I mean? The Holy Spirit was moving and working that, even the small things, not just the big things. Um, so we don't imitate Christ. He works through us. We catch a glimpse of his, his purpose and his heart, and then we renew our minds to that truth. So we're not... That's the, the hallmark of, of religion is imitating, imitating something that you can never really do. That's religion, is trying to do something that you can never do. Relationship is accepting something that's been done for you already and then living that out. This way. Not, not, how can I do this better? And you're taking in, and you're trying to figure it out. And if you're like me, you'd never figure it out. Because <laughs> by the time you think you have it figured out, you're distracted by something, you go on to something else. Um, which Google, Google doesn't, why is my mic so hard? Google doesn't help uh, at all. Because now I Google everything. It's like, I can't imagine what my Google history looks like. Sometimes I look at you know how it saves some of your history. One time, and how to is a real common one, and I put how to in it, and then the first thing that popped up was a search that I had searched was how to remove cat puke from carpet. <laughs> and I think the next one was how to how to cook a ham in the oven or something. <laughs> I didn't know how to do either of those things, but now I do. There's a fun there's a funny video. I know it's probably inappropriate, but. Um, the part of it is, but it's still pretty funny. You may have seen it, but it has, there's, there's a funny part, my favorite part. That's what makes it funny. Well, no, it's funny because it's true. That's what makes it funny. And it's if, it, if Google was a person and it's got a guy behind a desk and it's got a line of people outside and they come in and, uh, and they ask him questions and he's so frustrated because it's all goofy questions. And what's so funny about it is the way they, the way they say it is the way you would type it. And that's what made me really cry laughing. And one of them was... Uh, <laughs> baby powder made out of babies? And then the other one, the other one was, <laughs> the other one was uh, electric, <laughs> I can't even say it. Electrical outlets look surprised. Why? <laughs> and now every time I look at an electrical outlet, I'm like, oh, they do look surprised. But we always put the question at the end. <laughs> you put the key words, and then you're like, how? Two. Anyway, I digress. I'm, 
So anyway, Google doesn't help me with my ADD because I Google everything. So like, I don't know. Apparently, granddaddy long-legged spiders are not the most poisonous spiders in the world. That was an urban legend. So now you know. All right, so I'm full of useless information. What, uh, and some useful information, thanks to the Holy Spirit. What are the, <laughs> what are the results of loving? All right, I'm going to I'm try to not keep you too long. Um, what, are, what are the results of loving and caring for others? Romans 2.4 says, um, You show the contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads to repentance. God's goodness leads us to repentance. What are the results of kindness? What are the results of goodness? Repentance, real repentance. Not just feeling bad for your sin, but a renewing of your mind. Metanoia, repentance, changing the way you see everything because your heart's changed. So what, produ- what produces that? Kindness, loving kindness produces that. Um, what's cool is we get to benefit from it. In Proverbs it says whoever, whoever waters gets, to, gets watered themselves. They water their own soul, right? We get, to, we get the overflow from that. We're like, hey, we want to bless you. But, and, then, and then we turn around, we come back from a mission trip, we come back from an outreach, and we go, I, got, I think I got blessed more than them. I feel almost guilty about it because it's, like, awesome. Uh, and so we end up, we water our own souls when we, water, when we help other people. Um, there was a survey given uh, from lots of people. Uh, I don't remember how many it was. So I didn't write it all down. But basically the survey was to give one, one word to describe church people or people that go to church. And here were the top three answers. And I bet you can guess them. Here were the top three answers. Judgmental, hypocritical, and selfish. That's what the church is known for right now. This is recent. This is a recent survey done. And that's the three things that, that people, generally speaking, just out on the street when they asked them, that were the top three answers were that we, because we're part of the church, whether we like it or not, you're part of the, the, the big C church, lots of other churches, we're a part of that. So what's, what, what they think represents us well is judgmental, hypocritical, and selfish. How sad is that? We're supposed to be helping people and loving people, and this is what, we're, this is what they think of us. And it's not, it's, it's not just their misinterpretation of it. We have not done the best job of, of, of preaching the real gospel. Here's the, here's the interesting thing. None of those sound like Jesus, do they? Was Jesus any of those things? No. Guess who lives inside you? <laughs> Jesus. These should not be things that we represent when we go out on the street. Here's what I want to be known for. I want to be known for loving, caring, and generosity. I know I, I talk about this sometimes. It's hard for me because I am frugal. And I say frugal because I don't like people calling me cheap. I always say, tip your waiters and waitresses. Tip those that serve you. Be generous. Um, Todd White says, anytime they, if they're on the road, any restaurant that they go to, they don't go to a restaurant unless they can tip them the amount of the meal. And they're a large group. Um, and that's just a physical, a physical representation of something spiritual, showing someone appreciation for serving you. And not just, not just that. That's just a good, that's an easy thing to, to, to talk about. I'm talking about in everything. Be generous. Love people. Be caring for people. You can, you can be loving and caring without compromising your beliefs. Did you know that? I know that's radical thinking. You, can lo- you don't have to hate people if you disagree with them. That would go a long way if we would really, really get that. You can disagree with people without hating them. You can even be friends with people and disagree with them. What? What? I disagree with people all the time that I know. 
Some of them I'm not friends with anymore because they don't understand that revelation, obviously. <laughs> that I'm right. No. They'll get it. I pray for them all the time. All right. Uh, let's see. All right. There. Quick story. There's a. Uh, I heard this. I heard another pastor preach this. I'm just reusing his story, so I assume it's true. It may not be, but he told it like it was true. So he knew somebody that was going to college. They were roommates. They went to. A, a, they were in like an apartment complex for the college that they went to that was out of town. Uh, and I don't know if they had a they had a fish on their door. They're like a Christian fish or whatever. Um, probably because they didn't want their car. <laughs> probably cut people off. No, I'm kidding. But the, they had a fish on their door or whatever, and their neighbor came over to them, knocked on the door, and, and talked to them. They said, you have a fish? Or she said, you have a fish on your door? Are you guys Christians? And they said, yeah. And they said, are you a believer? She said, yeah, I'm a believer in Satan. <laughs> she said, I'm a Satanist. And they were like, oh, okay. So the conversation didn't go much further than that. And uh, for the next few weeks, they kept finding, like, bones. Like, and it's kind of creepy, but animal bones by their door. And, like, she was cursing them in her own way. She was doing her cursings and stuff like that. And... Uh, and they began, they were kind of freaked out at first, <laughs> and they began to pray about it. They're like, you know, what do we do with this? We don't know what to do with this. And the Lord told them to be kind to her, to love her. And so they began to send letters to her, um, encouraging her and loving her and, and uh, ordering food and being delivered to her, to her apartment um, so that she could eat. And uh, several months later or whatever, she wrote them a letter, and basically it said, I'll give you the short version because I want to get to this and then wrap up. Um, but basically they said, you know, she said, "I don't understand everything about Christianity, but it, but if if it has if this Jesus is anything like you guys have been to me, even while I was cursing you, she said I, I'd like to know more about it." And uh, and and she genuinely her life was changed because of it, be- because of that. Now here's where this comes from: Matthew five forty three through forty eight, and this is the message version. I just like this version better um, because of the wording. Um, Eugene Peterson didn't set out just to make a really cool version. He really did research um, to make the the Greek come to life in some of the wording, and I really like that, especially in this verse I really like. In verse 43 it says, You're familiar with with the old written law, love your friend, and its unwritten companion, hate your enemy. I'm challenging that. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer, for then you are working out your your true selves. I love that. Then you're working out your true selves, your God-created selves. This is what God does. He gives his best, the sun to warm and the rain to nourish to everyone, regardless, the good and the bad, the nice and the nasty. If all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? Anybody can do that. If you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a medal? (laughs) Any run-of-the-mill sinner does that. In a word, what I'm saying is grow up. (laughs) Thanks, Eugene. Did a good job. In a word I'm saying, grow up. You're kingdom subjects now. Live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously towards others the way God lives towards you. What a powerful statement. Live the way God lives towards you. Have you met God? Think about that for a minute. Do you have fellowship with God? Do you see how good he is? Do you see the sacrifice he's made? Do you see... And this is what I love about... uh, This is what I love about God. He has a sense of humor. How do I know? Because he gave me a sense of humor. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't come up with that. He created me to have a sense of humor. God's not some cosmic killjoy that doesn't want you to enjoy life and have fun. 
He actually knows what brings you real joy because He created you. So all those times that I was trying to be happy and trying to have joy and trying to do all the things to, 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 to substitute what God really had for me, because that's all they were were substitutions. We talked about it yesterday. That's what I love about fellowship. We were out there after we were working, which was really ridiculous because it was cooler in here. We were outside in the heat talking, which is dumb. Um, but we were talking about how all, I really feel like all addictions are, are us trying to escape our reality. The problem is we don't know what our reality is. <laughs> We're trying to escape a false reality. We're basically, and this is, gets kind of deep, but for the Christian, our reality is Christ. Now, it takes a while, like I said, for our mind to catch up to that. So what we can do is we can be distracted by a lie, and that lie says that we need to escape something bad that's around us. But what Christ says is you are not a product of what's around you. You're a product of who I am. So it changes your perspective to see, okay, I'm not trying to escape my circumstances by drugs, pornography, alcohol, because my circumstances do not define who I am, right? So now when you, when you, when you realize your new reality, your God-given reality, your Christ reality, then you're not affected by these things. Now you begin to affect those things. So now you're not trying to escape. You're living in your purpose. You're not being self-centered. You're being Christ-centered which is kind of who we are as Christians. <laughs> it's not complicated, I promise. I'm not that smart. I'm, and I'll tell you that because I say I'm not that smart, and we'll close with this. I, and many of you know, I dropped out of high school. I did get my GED because the court ordered it. <laughs> I was in a lot of trouble at the time. Um, but I never thought that I was very smart. Come stems from my false reality of, of growing up as an orphan, basically. When Christ gave me value, he began, he began to show me who I was, and I began to see things um, differently than I saw things before, and he gave me knowledge that I didn't have on my own. And I say that to encourage you because you can doubt yourself in many things. I'm not just talking about knowledge, but many things. Don't put too much emphasis on, on your personality. Don't put too much emphasis on, listen, man, I could not have stood in front of people, you know, I don't know how many years ago, probably 15 years ago. I could not have done this. I would be shaking in my gray Jordans that Tracy bought me for Christmas. <laughs> and they were on clearance. I made sure because I was like, we can't afford those. <laughs> she was like, I guess it's okay. I got them really cheap. I was like, all right, because most of my other high tops come from Goodwill. So my, my value, my worth is not found in my Jordans. <laughs> don't, don't get it twisted. All right. So what I want to tell you is don't put too much emphasis on even... I want to be careful with this because some of you have really good families, so great inheritances and, and things that you have, I'm not discounting those. Um, what, what your earthly father has sown into you, those are good things. I'm not discounting that. But don't put too much emphasis on it because God can even change that because when you're born again, you're entering into a new bloodline. And so now your source is a little different and your heritage is different. This is why I always cast down general, generational curses because I, I talk about generational blessings because you... If you're new in Christ, there is, no, there is no generational curses. It's all generational blessings now because you're, you're of a new creation. You are of a new bloodline. All right, I'll ramble all day. You guys stand up with me. I'll pray for you. I'll, find, I'll see something and Google it. Um, y'all will never look at an outlet the same. All right. Uh, <laughs> all right, Father, we just thank you for this time that we can come in here and, and just hang out with you and hang out with one another. Father, we know that that our goal as Christians is, is, a, is a renewed and restored relationship with you. 
and then a restored relationship with people around us, Father, that, that uh, you came to demonstrate uh, your kingdom in our hearts and to manifest that kingdom through us to other people. So, Father, open our eyes to that and renew our minds. Continue to give us those software updates to, to match up with our hardware that you've given us in our hearts. Father, our, our, our heart beats to your heartbeat now. And so your blood runs through our, vein, our, through our veins, not our veins, our veins, and, and we are of a new lineage. So, Father, we just uh, we accept that. that uh, here's, we don't just accept some commission because it's our job to do it, but we accept your relationship. We accept your goodness, and we share that goodness with others. In Jesus' name, amen.